This is for all the girls who grew up without strong geek role models to help them discover their geek dreams. For everyone who's ever been quizzed about their video game knowledge because girls have plenty. Geek Hearing is working to bring female identifying geeks into the prime to be the role models, dreams, and voices. About to show these boys how we do it. Higher, further, faster, baby. It's not about deserve. I'm not an owl! A girl has no name. There is something supernatural at work here. It's about what you believe. Did I stop on your mom? The Guardian Leviosa. Now on, you do as I do. May the odds be ever in your favor. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Herring, a critical geek culture podcast where we talk about intersectional and inclusive feminism in a male-dominated environment. Hi, my name is Moni and with me today is my lovely, amazing, glorious, with a bit foot hurt, but now overall, I don't know what I'm saying, co-host Amanda. <laughs> Amanda. I'm so sorry. Hi, Moni. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. And just to clarify what Moni is weirdly talking about, I absolutely face planted in London last week and twisted my ankle and it's now all bandaged up. Yeah. Oh wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, that happened. It it's was just tri- it was just a trip of trips, to be honest. It really was, yeah. <laughs> Not the good kind, but like some kind at least. But we turned mm-hmm. it around, I think, eventually. Eh, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> But we, if, if, we did our best. <laughs> we did our best. If you have heard, we have some some other incredible voice on today, which sounds really great, but is also really cre- really great. Hi y'all. Um, <laughs> it's called Keisha Kent. Hey, Keisha. Welcome. Hello. Caring. Welcome to the show. <laughs> um. Clarkisha is the, uh, she's incredible, and she is the author of Fat On, Fat Off, A Big Bitch Manifesto, um, a book that just released at the beginning of this month, and we had the pleasure of reading. Um, So we're very excited to talk to you about that. Clarkisha, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself before we get in? Yes, um, the skinny on me, uh, I can be summed up in um, two words, really, internet shit talker. That is how I've made my living. <laughs> that is what I'm still describe as myself now. Um, but obviously, since then, I, you know, since that, I've done other things. But, you know, if we're going back, um, you know, I'm a culture critic, Nigerian-American culture critic. Um, grew up in Tennessee, moved out to Chicago, where I attended the University of Chicago, Changed my life, better for worse. And that's how I, you know, made it to the internet. Um, since all of that, you know, um, I started writing back in 2016 professionally. I've been writing before then. But 2016 was like the professional year. Um, started The Root, then ended up in places like MTV News, Entertainment Weekly, Paper Magazine, that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, my agent eventually slid into my DMs and was like, you look for an agent? And I'm like... How you know that? And now we're here. <laughs> with fat off, fat on a big bitch manifesto, which was you know published on the seventh of this month. And it's really exciting. It's really nice of that. Thank you. Just, I did too. Spoiler alert, I guess. <laughs> Same. Well, thank you for your introduction. I'm so excited to get into this. But before we do, how do you feel about a rapid fire round so we can all get to know your geeky bits and. Uh, more yeah, about you. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, so you already told us where you're from. So what are your pronouns? She, her, hers. Thank you. And when are you a geek since? So 
a year, maybe a story of your first geeky experience? Uh, I think earliest geeky experiences, I would say, is um, being put onto Sailor Moon. Um, because I remember I was in was it Dollar Tree. It was Dollar Tree or Family Dollar. And I was like digging in the little bargain bins to like get the Sailor Moon DVDs. Because you know how people like to separate the sets. And I was trying to assemble the sets. So I remember those were one of my earliest memories with one of my best friends. And then on the flip side, it was um, Power Ranger series. Um, but Mighty Morphin would have come out when I was like very young, single digits. I think was it 1999? <laughs> Shit, I cannot remember exactly, but yeah, I remember being like single digits talking about how badly I wanted to be a Power Ranger. It's terrible. I was like, this is so awesome. How do I sign up for this? Then my sister was like, this doesn't exist. And I was sad. And that's what I'm like. <laughs> we can make our own Power Rangers. Who says they don't exist? Fuck that. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I loved Sailor Moon and Power Rangers in the 90s. Like, they were just classic. So good. Um, and what are some of Power your... Rangers? Sorry, oh, never mind. Go ahead. Talk about Power Rangers. Power Rangers are the war. I also, like a Mr. Bean phenomenon, where there were only a few seasons, but you think there were a million. But I think there were a million seasons of Power Rangers. There were a million seasons, yeah. yeah they um, They switched the kids out every so often. Um, but yeah, that first... That first season run like i think though lasted like three four years like they were there for a little bit um and then they switched them out for the aliens and then it just you know then it just kept going like every like (laughs) six to 12 months they swapped the kids out and then sometimes the older ones would come back they felt like it like talking like jason toys to um, sell those they said david frank rip but yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember playing like Power Rangers, acting it out with my dad. Like you know how you play house, but we would play Power Rangers. We got to. It was. I'm having horrible flashbacks. Let's move on. <laughs> Horribly awkward flashbacks no. of like I actually did that in front of my dad. <laughs> Are you kid, you didn't care then. You shouldn't really care now, right? You know. Well, that's true. That's true. I would go into my bedroom. And make out with Tommy when I was like seven years old. And I feel like this is very inappropriate to like play Tommy. Power Rangers with your dad, but whatever. Tommy was fine. Tommy, Tommy was fine as fuck. Okay. Tommy was beautiful. One of my first crushes. Just beautiful. Mm-hmm. But you know, also them pretty the pretty ones get you in trouble. Paraphrasing That's true. Prince, but yeah, they get you in trouble all the time. But yeah, he's very pretty. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty. still upset that your Bruce story ended the way it did. So upsetting. <laughs> I was like, no. Oh, so sad. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> what are your biggest geeky influences to move on the rapid fire round that's never rapid fire? It could um, be books, movies, TV shows. Okay. Um, biggest. Okay. I would say shout out to Dwayne McDuffie. <laughs> um, for everything he touched in the DC universe, um, from Static Shock to um, Justice League, Animated Justice League. I think that Animated Justice League is um, in the last, what, 20, 30 years, just one of, just a masterpiece in terms of like what animation can do, uh, which is why I really don't tolerate when people disrespect animation. 
because there's so much. We're seeing it with the live action superhero movies, right? Where there's only so much you can do in them that is very magical. Um, it's also the reason why I'm not really looking forward to no live action adaptation of Invincible. I think Invincible right now is perfect because it's animated. You get away with so much animation because you're not limited to the human brain and what it can see or do or imagine, right? You know, and animation just does whatever the fuck, um, right? So, yeah, I would say um, Dwayne McDuffie slash like early um, DC animation. Love it a lot. I go back and watch stuff all the time. Like um, when Kevin uh, Conroy passed away, Rip, um, I made sure to like in a flurry because I had been putting it off, but I made sure to grab um, Batman Beyond series um, set like quick as fuck. And then I also grabbed the um, uh, Batman anime series um, set as well. Um, but yeah, um, then there was, what was it? Superman series. I remember that. It's been a while since I've seen that, but I'd, I'd love to get that on DVD too. Um, but yeah, I love the entire, well, not the entire. After a certain point, I don't like it anymore. <laughs> but uh, but you know, early DC animation, you know, I really like it a lot. I would say, yeah, early influence. I love that. And what are some of your current geeky pastimes? Current geeky pastimes. That's um, oh, actually, not to what I lie. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so, um, back into video games, you know, because I kind of wax it, um, you know, and my my old PS4, she decided to quit on me. It's very tragic. So, I had to take a break. Oh. Um, but I got a new one because I was like, I'm sorry until the PS5 comes down to a price that is reasonable for my black ass. I'm not buying it. So, um, yeah, I went back to get the PS4, so I'm playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey again, which I've beat before, but Sony does not like me, so I made a new new account, <laughs> so I gotta beat it again, because <laughs> I'm not gonna be at peace until uh... I beat it again, and so my PS4, my current PS4 says I beat the game, um, so that's what I'm doing right now. Um, I'm also excited for um, the new one to come out, because I think that one is Assassin's Creed Mirage, is that the ones that's coming? I think so. I think they're going to um, Iran. It sounds right. I think so. If I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. But yeah, I think they're going to Iran soon. And I'm very excited because um, I am. There's so much you could do with Assassin's Creed. So the fact that we keep like going to like white historical societies has always pissed me off. I'm like, you could go anywhere, baby. You go anywhere. <laughs> I excuse the Greeks because the Greeks are cool. And I love Cassandra as a character. She's great. Very fantastic. Also, her voice actress, eight. Eight. I, no disrespect to the male voice actor, but he's not giving. It's very dry, very stilted. You know, because I took them both for a test run when I turned on the game. Just, you know, I was going to play Cassandra anyway, but I wanted to see. It was dry. I was like, ew. <laughs> and then I went back to Cassandra. And then I played the game. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Video games. Um, I want to start playing more, but I need to do my research on what I would like to dive into next after this series. Excuse me. Love that. Nice. And you're right. It's, and always- it's coming out this year. There you go. Oh, it is? Yes. Okay. I just, I just checked out of curiosity. <laughs> Assassin's Creed is one of those series that I haven't actually got 
into. Um, I found the first one very dry and repetitive, like climb a building, jump off, climb a building, jump off. And it's kind of soured me to the whole series, even though I know that it shouldn't, because I know it's an incredible like series and I just can't bring myself to actually try it again. But I really I just I need to. I um so I'm not gonna lie to you, those earlier ones I did not play myself. I watched like one of my siblings play. I love I love watching a good playthrough because I'll be like I get to reap all the benefits of taking in all the story without touching a goddamn button on a controller, yeah. which is great. So I will say if you're ever interested in at least the story, um, you know, find you a nice playthrough. Um, I think the earlier story for Assassin's Creed, I think, is really good because um, it hinges on um, Ezio Auditori, which is an ancestor of, like, one of the characters that you start out with in the game. It's called Desmond, whatever the fuck his last name is. I thought he was wholly unremarkable, but obviously because his ancestor was so cool, I'm like, okay, I guess we have to have you here to see your awesome ancestor, <laughs> which I feel like... I just feel like it's so funny because imagine someone coming up to you and being like, your great, 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 great grandfather is so like awesome. And then you just kind of like, man, like imagine like saying, I'm like, okay, we have to have him, I guess. But like every time, you know, the story would kind of pivot to him and what he was doing present day. Cause like, I don't want to like spoil everything, but you know, it's we got secret societies, we got government experiments, like it was a lot going on. So every time we switch to him present day doing whatever the fuck that has to do with whatever the fuck I just said, um, I'm always like, I right, I'ma like just deal with you because once again, your great 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 grandpa is awesome. And I want to go back to his story. <laughs> um, but yeah, it I think it was like took place in like uh, Florence, Italy. That's where it starts. Um, and he, you know, starts as the young, was he a teenager? I mean, young teenage adjacent player, boy, whatever the fuck. Um, but yeah, and then it just goes left from there because his family, who was rich, gets caught up. And that's, and then it's the whole thing. I like it a lot. He gets, he gets over the next couple of games, he gets ultra serious, you know, because he has like this like Batman like esque origin. Not really. I'm just saying Batman because something obviously happens to his parents. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah you know kind of shit gets real from there and then you have like um shoot offs you have like black flag where we're talking about like you know american shit um then you have um what was it what was the there's origins which took place in egypt that's kind of where they start doing i don't want to say one-offs but they start veering off of that person's story to like other people that are that's connected to this greater society right so yeah that's my like short spiel on it, but I really love the series because I, I love history. Um, if I hadn't done what I was doing now, I probably would have been like an either like an English teacher or a history teacher. I studied um, history in school, so I something I feel like I really should get into. So I, I think I need to give it another chance. Mm -hmm. Especially yeah, just, with that glowing review. <laughs> get the playthrough so you can enjoy all the fun parts without having to jump off the goddamn buildings. Because um, that's <laughs> weird it's weird i actually like the i actually like odyssey because like it kind of moves away from that a little bit like if you want to mm -hmm. jump off the bit can but like it's not like central <laughs> to everything <laughs> i just yeah, jump I mean, off don't get me wrong i like jumping off an occasional occasional building i just didn't want to jump off like 50 in a row 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's um, the stuff that you can do a couple of times, but they get a bit tiring if you have to do them a hundred exactly. times. So, so. Yeah. And if that's the main, well, it's not the main driver, but then I, I know that all these jumping up and down and things and climbing buildings, that's very Assassin's Creedy anyway. So, so that was just, you get over it quickly, I guess. <laughs> Need the other rest of the story. For sure. Um, But we're not, unfortunately, we're not here to talk about Assassin's Creed as much as I would actually love to. Maybe maybe I'll play them all and then we'll invite you back on, Clark Gisha, and (laughs) talk about Assassin's Creed. We are here to talk about your incredible book, Fat Off, Fat On, The Big Bitch Manifesto. Um, So let's do that. I loved it. I thought it was a great read. I finished it. I started it here. Uh, in Northern Ireland, I finished it when I was visiting my mom in Florida. So it's been across the ocean a couple times and um, by the pool and everything, just having a great old time. Um, and I thought it was a really enjoyable read. I loved hearing I, the way you talk about your life was um, uh, engaging. That's the word I'm looking for. It was really engaging. <laughs> and I felt like um, like I feel like I know you and I'm like, oh, hey, old friend, just from reading your book. Um so uh, for people who haven't read your book, um, how did you or why did you decide to write something um, so personal? Um, yeah, I guess I'll take it back to my agent. Shout out to Claire Draper from the band agency. And like I mentioned, in 2018, 2019, they slid into my DMs, you know, asking if I had representation yet. And I was like, no. So then we, you know, we linked up. Um, and originally I was going to write my Western first. Um, I actually started writing a Western um, in college. So this would have been like 2015, actually, is when I started writing it. And that's what I wanted to kind of like finish. I was like, okay, fine. I have the opportunity to like put this shit out. Um, and then me and Claire had a conversation and they were like, you know, I'm I'm with it. Because they read, you know, they read my um, current draft of the Western and they're like, this is awesome. But, and I'm like, what you mean, but? exactly had a conversation about genres right and you know um for better for worse you know western is you know very niche right um and they were like you know it's gonna be a great project obviously but you know you don't really have name recognition now uh especially as a black author which is very important and i was like you know what true so then they were like have you considered and they pitched a memoir and i'm like I don't know about that because <laughs> um, I'm like, you know, memoirs are like, as a genre, like inherently narcissistic. Like, I know we like to act like it's not. It is. It is. Um, so I had some reservations about that. But, you know, they were like, you know, you, you it is it is whatever you want it to be. So I was like, OK, I get it. You know, get my toes wet and publishing. Cool. So started writing memoir. I don't want to say I phoned it in, but, you know, I um, I obviously don't like people in my business. It's always been my thing. Like, I, I, I'm okay with sharing certain things, but not all of the things. Um, so that was definitely tough, but I had a really good editor. Um, shout out to Lauren Rosemary Hook of Feminist Press, who, you know, um, she was fair whenever she asked me to, like, um, really dig deeper into a thought or memory that I put on page. Um, She never made it feel exploitative or never made it feel like I was just like slapping my trauma on the page for me to read, which I appreciated because I'm like, that's not what I'm here for. 
Um, so yeah, that's how Fat Off Fat On came to be, and that's how also you know the personal touches made it happen. Were made happen. I didn't say that right. Whatever, I'm done. I'm back for the moment. Pass. <laughs> but yeah, that's how it came to be. Um, yeah, it was a tough. It was a tough write, though. It was a tough write because like I definitely shared some things I hadn't um, spoken about. Um, publicly prior so that was tough but um i think all things considered it came up pretty well yeah i think so as well from a reader's point of view um i think it must have been difficult uh, especially talking about your childhood um, yeah. um because at, t- at times i found it difficult to read so i can only imagine how it was for you writing through your experiences yeah yeah um yeah, family is what was it? What what did Deadpool say? Family is an F word. Yes, family is an F word. I love I love those movies. Um, but yeah, it's just um like they really mean it when they say in a sense that you can't choose them, right? But we're talking obviously about bio family. Because you know, in reality, you actually can choose your family. Mm-hmm. But um that bio family shit, terrible. Cause you literally are you know, I'm very spiritual, right? So I have, you know, I have my own beliefs about reincarnation. But that said, when I was younger, the way I thought about it was like, they're literally just like dropping you in with a, like a group of random people. Um, and they're just like, good luck. And I'm like, okay, this this is about to get real nasty up here. <laughs> you just, just drop you here, you're like, good luck. Um, that's why sometimes I'm like, I feel like, if your parents really shitty, you should be able to sue for being born. But obviously, that has not caught on yet. It <laughs> has not caught on yet. <laughs> They're like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, why? Because some of y'all will be getting sued. That's why you don't want it to happen. That's why you don't want it to happen. You be getting sued. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it was, it was tough. It was tough. I'm laughing about it now because I can. Mm-hmm. But like at the time, no, it was not great. Um, but, you know, I definitely got lucky because, um, you know, not only did I... You know, I was smart. Um, I did try to be smart. And, you know, I also got, like, help along the way, um, you know, community help, whether it was, like, you know, like a couple of people within my mother's old church or as my old friends um, or, you know, the friends I eventually made going to college, you know, someone along the way always, like, yeah, always helped. It's like being on, you know, in a video game on a journey and you get the random, like, the random character that you think is going to be an NPC, like just a real, like, like a aggressive NPC that just have shit to offer. And it turns out to be like, I don't know the turning point character of like the level that you need, you know, shit like that. Like people that you thought would be maybe insignificant, like um, choosing to not be in- insignificant. If that makes sense. So um, yeah, you know, I got here with the help of that community Um and yeah, even though I hate, I don't, I'm not a fan of the University of Chicago, as they've probably heard many times from me, but I will say going there, uh, definitely a game changer for me because I created distance from my family, um, lots of distance, you know, because since I'm from Tennessee, obviously the goal for them was for me to either go to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville or t- to go to Vanderbilt. Um, both of those are way too close of a drive. And they would have made that drive. But Chicago, not so much. It's eight hours. <laughs> eight hour drive. 
So, um, yeah, I would say going to that school definitely uh, um, set me up to, like, part ways with them for good. Because then I could also, in addition to that space, also have time to gather my own resources, make friends with people who had nothing to do with them. Because that was the other thing. Um, A lot of reasons why um, abuse and other things are perpetuated in a community is because not enough people say something or not enough people do anything. So it's not enough for you to be my friend or to make sure I'm okay. What are you actively doing to stop this, these parents, these families being horrible, you know? And then when stuff like that happens, you really can't risk sometimes maintaining contact with those kind of people because it may go back to your terrible family or, you know, abusive family through the grapevine. So it was really nice and refreshing to make friends that weren't, in those immediate circles with my terrible family. So that's just a little bit about me, a little bit more, I should say. I also think we need to really say, or like, because there is this weird as fuck societal pressure that you always need to be nice to your family or you owe them some shit. And just because somebody fucked somewhere on the planet and I crawled out of someone else doesn't automatically make this family a family just because you come out of the same person or somebody squeezed you out doesn't mean that that that, that's what a relationship is automatically like like that or that there is a a relationship or a good relationship automatically and the pressure especially i think on children as well to be like but these are your parents you need to be nice and kind to your parents because they did so much for you it's such annoying fucking bullshit where it's just pissing me off that that and it is also the reason why so much abuse is perpetuated as well because everybody's like you need to stay in this environment or whatever and i'm just like no i don't fucking not i don't need to if it's harmful to me i don't need to and everybody's seeing it and nobody's doing anything and then exactly they are your parents you need to keep trying why the fuck should i need to keep trying if they treat me like shit for so long like it's not my responsibility as a child to be the 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 whatever about the, the the savior of the family just because they don't get their shit together it's like you need to do what's right for you and that if that's not your family then this is fucking not your family that's other people who give a shit about you and who like really give a shit about you and not use you yeah. for whatever yeah um i just i can't i don't remember her name but she's this black lady on tiktok she's so funny um she'll say one-liners like you know i'm not dj Khaled, but i'm always winning like shit like that and i I can't i can't remember her name but like she she was talking about it um like idea of family right she was talking about it she's drawing out all her points on the blackboard and you know she's spinning but she's talking about you know the two-way street that is respect and she was talking about like the way that some of y'all families treat y'all and talk to y'all there's no way on this earth that if a stranger on the street came to you and was talking to you like this you would have smacked them in the mouth and a lot of people comments were like oh yeah touche and i'm like it's not even touche like can't like sometimes i'm like y'all like where's the self-respect like because mm. you know society and i get it you know societal messaging is hard to break or whatever but at a certain point you get old enough to like know better but also to like read about the alternative you know like you don't have to keep doing the same thing over and over again because that is what we call insanity (laughs) like you can do something (laughs) different 
you can do something different. Yeah. Um, so that's always kind of my thing. Like, you know, obviously I don't push it on people because I don't want to be that person like, oh, you know, I'm not talking to no, no my family anymore. So like all of you should totally do it. It's so awesome. Even though I personally think it is awesome. But, <laughs> you know, I understand that people have um, obligations um, to their family. I also understand that culturally it's difficult for some of us, um, you know, uh, my parents are immigrants, you know, Nigerian immigrants. I understand, um, you know, to a certain extent what they went through to get here, um, you know, because this is, you know, because at some point Nigeria had a civil, civil war and it was not pretty. Right. So I get that. Um, that said, you know, I don't think as a child I should have been subject to um, their frustrations over that. And that's what really ended up happening. Um, they took that stuff out on us as children. And I'm like, that's never appropriate. I'm sorry. It's never yeah. appropriate. Yeah. I'm a child, you know, uh, you wanted me to be here. So it's your responsibility to like do right by me. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, yeah, you know, but people don't look at it like that because people don't like children and more than, you know, not liking children. Cause it's one thing not to like, like, okay, you, okay. You don't like me, whatever. Fuck, fuck off. But they also don't respect children. Also, don't consider children human. Um, to them, children are just like an accessory to them, an extension of themselves, which is so funny. It says a lot. So if I'm an extension of you and you're mistreating me, that says a lot about you, how you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. But we never get into that. Always gloss it over. Um, but yeah, um, that, yeah, that's what I would say about family. Just mm -hmm. very weird. And then people also forget, like I mentioned in the book, that it, it is also an economic feature. Like the way that it's presented in the States, I can't speak for anyone else, but in the States is the economic feature. They're not doing this out of altruism or the kindness of their heart. It's an economic unit. If y'all look at our tax code here, everything will start to make sense. If you are single and you make a little bit of cash, they hate you and they'll tax you into the ground. But it's a conversation for another day. Interesting, <laughs> so. though. Moni's Austrian mind just was like, "Whoa, just, U.S. taxes." I mean, I know, yeah. I know that. The, I mean, the the thing of it being more tax friendly when you're married, like that's a thing, or what? At least I think it was a thing. Maybe it still is a thing, um, in a way that it made sense for my for like my parents or whatever to get married, and like people in older generations to get married. I don't think it's as prevalent anymore now but maybe it is i'm just i don't know i'm just living in a wild marriage with no marriage <laughs> so i'm not married and I, don't, I don't care i don't need a piece of paper to show my appreciation and love to someone so it's not yeah like, you really don't like, you know, whatever. People, it's not about you know i mean americans and romanticized it if we're being honest um i mean um, they weren't the only ones but you know um yeah you know, it's it's not supposed to be romantic. Like we we people use this for like property and exchange of women. We're like, I know, it's not meant to be right. The thing that blew my absolute fucking mind is that the reason why engagement rings are so expensive is basically as a promise to the person. So so it 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 they would need to be worth three times the monthly income that the person is making, and I'm just like. Phew mind blown because it's could it couldn't be any more obvious and people are like this is so romantic i'm sharing my life no you fucking no. don't no you're not you get shared like i don't know a bunch of cattle on the on the field or something 
But anyway, yeah, so, um, <laughs> I'm <yeah>. romantic. <laughs> um, yeah, and you also they used to make it. You know, they they also wanted it to be that expensive too, as like collateral for the the woman. Like, if shit goes south, you can take this ring, go pawn this shit, and be okay. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, it's not supposed to be romantic. I feel like people got weird with it. I also think it's Christianity's fault too. Um, but yeah. Present day, I was like, if you gonna do it again, is for the taxes and for certain assets. Um, also, you know, if you are someone who is again estranged from your entire family, um, something to look into. Um, like in addition to that, or like uh, estate planning. Estate planning. You do not want your bitch ass mom coming to you on your little deathbed trying to make your medical decisions. Please, y'all. <laughs> so yeah that's literally all i would recommend it for but people trying to make it romantic always kind of i'm like "Mm, not go you know shit on your parade but like let us you know let us also be rooted in weddings that were a fucking shit show as well so i'm just like i'm over this all of it Yeah, I just something I don't know. People, some demon jumps out of people when weddings um, happen, marriages are established. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird. Should not be so serious, but it mm-hmm. is. I'm like, okay, all right, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I gave myself my engagement ring. <laughs> I there was no money exchanged here for this. <laughs> Not nah, you lie. I do myself. Yeah. I don't need all that. Like, no. Thank you, but <laughs> um, okay. I love this conversation. I've been listening to you too. Um, I have a I have a really good relationship with my family, so um, I, I find it I, I interesting to hear people talk about the relationships between like then their family dynamics. So I've just been sitting here really uh, just listening and letting it sink in. So thanks for sharing both of you family stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're not writing your big bitch manifesto, you write a lot of uh, geek culture. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how did you get into that? Just to um, hear out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it will go back to like the DC animated um, stuff. Cause that's where I really started. Then we ventured into um, Marvel stuff. You know, you know, it's inevitable, right? Um, and then what happened was that uh, was it two thousand five, six? Eventually, it dipped into games, game games for both of these um, um, superhero franchises or universes, whatever the fuck. Um, so I remember, what was it? It was Ultimate Alliance. That's where I started, and then it kind of like snowballed because then you had the Spider Man. Was it Spider Man two? Yeah, the Spider-Man game on a PlayStation or PlayStation 2, and it just kind of ventured off into different directions. Because, you know, I love geeky stuff, including gaming. So then at a certain point, I don't think it was enough for me to just be playing. Yes. You, you wrote you-, you wrote for the Miles Morales Spider-Man game? No, I did not. Oh, that's <laughs> no. I was like, holy no. shit. Marnie was wish. like, not that it's not Hold cool the that phone. you wrote for the <laughs> <laughs> Not that anything else isn't cool either, but <gasps> sorry. <laughs> no, I always have been a great honor to have on my resume. I'd be like, yeah, I wrote this. But um, no, so I eventually kind of moved on. Not moved on. 
um, I like pivoted from like gaming stuff because I wanted to like write my own stuff. At one point, I wanted to write a comic, but then like I've seen how some of these comic people are, and I was like, I'm okay. Like, <laughs> like I'm okay because my temperament will. I my temperament is like no, like I could not be in that environment because um, I'll just I'll just turn up and not in a good way, bad way. Um, so, um, yeah. So eventually, instead of doing that, I got into like like writing. Like, so there would be some stories inspired by these characters that got into some fan fiction for a little bit, um, then tabled that when I went to college because I just didn't have enough time to dedicate to it. Um, so then it went from that into doing um, these articles, these blog posts about these characters uh, on my website. And then when I left college, I started doing them professionally. Um, so that's pretty much what happened. And, um, you know, I came up in the geek space writing about these things. Like I'd write about shows like Arrow, Luke Cage, um, did not really get to the flash cause I was a little iffy on the flash, but listen, I love Candace Patton. So I was like, as long as she get a paycheck, I don't care. <laughs> Show can go on for 50 seasons. <laughs> long as she get paid, that's all I care about. Like she get her check, okay, all right. I don't care, but that is forty five. <laughs> it's cool. Why don't you get paid? You know, because um, those TV, TV residuals they be hitting. So I'm like, get your get your money, girl. So that's pretty much what happened. And then you know, eventually, I don't want to say I moved on, but um, I pivoted from just kind of like that medium to talking about like other TV shows and other uh, movies and et cetera, et cetera. And then I continued. Um, you know, at one point I was like super invested in the MCU. Um, only I'm like, I'm not completely off it, but like it's definitely like waned my interest in it. Um, I actually wrote something in college, got it really, I got an A on it, it was great. I wrote something on college in one of my film classes about the MCU and how sustainable it was, how long it might go on. Um, I don't remember my initial, was my initial prediction? I think my initial prediction was like between like 10 to 15 years. Um, so I got to do the math on that because I don't know where we are now. But um, <laughs> yeah, I talked about stuff like that because I'm like, you know, these movies, you know, are very interesting, very fun for the most part. Um, but, you know, one thing about this country in particular is that they love to kill a genre um, by milking it dry. So mm -hmm. that's kind of where, like, my interest is like waned over time um because after you know after like infinity war and um endgame which terrible okay what nobody said terrible it just ruined some of my favorite characters um because people don't know how to write endings and it always makes me sad because i'm like thank you for fucking up like 10 years of writing yay um no. but <laughs> um yeah i think I, that was a long-winded answer but i hope i answered your question i really do <laughs> Did. Thanks. Um, and I loved in your book as well that some of your closest relationships that you spoke about, anyway, obviously I don't know all your relationships, but that you spoke about came about through like connections with video games. Um, and that that connection really brings people brought you together with with your with your chosen family, with your close friends. And um, just thought it was I just love that. I love the geek world bringing us all together. Yeah, yeah, it's a very, uh, very rich, rich world. Um, 
so it's just it's easy to get into because um there is a fantasy element to um the geek world that um invites the most marginalized of us to come into the space and imagine something better um which is why it'll you know that's what and that's why it'll keep attracting um people um because that is um that's very hopeful sentiment um and we need a lot more of that in the world um, even though people like to act like they're incredibly jaded and hate everything, um, which I think is kind of childish, but that's a conversation for mm. <laughs> another day. It's true. People hating things just for the sake of it is boring. And don't you have anything yeah. better to do with their life? Yeah. Hating on shit. Yeah. Let's grow up, move on. Hate, yeah. hate shit that actually matters. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm like, life is very, you know, life is very long, but also it's very short. Uh, when you turn around and look right, and um, you know, I, 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 I'm a professional hater, so I do be hating on some stuff, right? But that <laughs> said, I'm not wasting all of my time doing that. Like, I would rather, especially where I am now. Like when I was younger, I probably definitely wasted more time talking about stuff I, yeah, I hated, right? But now that I'm like older, I'm like, you know, all that time that I'm wasting on that could be used to talk about something I actually like. I know. Oh my I always God. wonder like, these like, yeah. like what the fuck are you doing all day that you don't know like that you find random threads on Twitter that you are not tagged with that you don't follow and you find those on the internet and you spend your time shitting on people for the sake of it because you disagree with them like how fucking bored of your mind must you be like what what are you doing they're bored as fuck um, I um it's the it's the internet is as a as a public good very awesome um how people use it um very dark sided um you know having there you know there's there's some good and bad elements to being anonymous right you know because when you're going it going against you know totalitarian governments you do want to be anonymous right but <laughs> at the same time <laughs> at the same time um people are not well right and will abuse that for nefarious purposes that we've seen um so yeah it's hard sometimes to not want to crack down on that because i say all the time i was like a lot of you people would not talk to me like this to my face you know that's that it, you know that right. that's why you act that mm-hmm. online so yeah some days i just imagine like being like just pull just like watching someone say like the craziest shit to me and they're just pulling up on their house because I just know, I just know they'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm a real person. Yeah, and you're a real no. person who's saying crazy things on the internet. Like, every time I see a video like that, um, I just I just laugh. It's so funny. Because I remember um, it was a couple years ago. I think this was either during the pandemic or right before. It's like, I think 2019, 2020. But this person on Twitter, like, was talking crazy to this um, rapper I think this happened in New York, but don't quote me. But he's talking crazy to his rapper. And the rapper pulled up to his job. Like, he worked at, I want to say, like, this sports shop or something. Like, he works somewhere where, like, clothes slash apparel was sold. And, like, this rapper pulled up, like, with his, like, entourage. And when I say entourage, it's, like, two people. It's not, like... like, like <laughs> I just don't <laughs> <like>, myself. <laughs> Same. I was, like, you know, two, like, you know, but, you know, like, clearly, I think maybe this is, like security or something right but he pulled up and you know he said his little screen name and you could just you could just see his like soul leave his body and i was just like, 
like, it's like, this is so delicious. Like, I'm really yeah. living in this moment right now. Because he was just like, oh, you know, I was just playing. And then, like, and then the rapper obviously reminded him what he said, which was, like, trifling as fuck. And he's like, you were just playing. He's like, yeah. And, you know, obviously he pretended like he's going to beat his ass. He didn't end up doing it right. But he was, like, he made his sweat a little bit. And I appreciate that. Because I'm just like, you'll never do this again. Mm-hmm. Now you will live in eternal fear that someone will, in fact, as they say, pull up on you. And then you won't say the stupid thing on the internet that you've been saying. So sometimes I do wish more of that stuff happened. Um, now, obviously, yeah. that would have some some interesting repercussions because, again, people are not well. And, and all people, not just people on the internet, right? Yeah. So, you know, I don't want it to be an issue where you're, you know, fairly criticizing someone who may be awful and now they're pulling up on you. Because now, now, that, now that has, like, different repercussions, right? But mm. I don't know. I just wish people would not be so disrespectful on the internet. Um, because a lot of that disrespect is usually target, targeted towards, like, marginalized people. And that's, that's where my issue comes in. But, yeah, convo for another day. If we would all fight against the bigger thing it's always the punching down and never the like it's not the issue come the issue isn't coming from below the issue is coming from above right and nobody is punching up but everybody is always Mm -hmm. punching down and i'm like could we maybe target like channel that energy into something more productive that is not ruining everybody else but like ruining the people causing it Mm mm-hmm Anyway, crux of life and people in pain, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Changing the subject. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. What is, uh, how do you feel about publishing a book instead of what you've been doing up until now? How how has that impacted your life? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Since it's come out, like it doesn't feel real. I know that sounds like weird, but it just like doesn't. Um, I feel like when I put out like my articles, I'm just like, okay, I wrote this thing and then like I put it out. And now it's just like out here for everybody to see. But like with the book, it's interesting because they're just like, okay, it's out there and like people like can choose to pick it up or like put it down. And I don't know, it's weird. Like there's like a physical aspect to it that technically makes it more tangible. But at the same time, my brain just cannot. She cannot comprehend it. She's like, it's out. And I'm like, yeah. Like, so every now and then um, I'll get like tagged on like Instagram or like Twitter, which, you know, I enjoy these things, right? They'll be like, oh, you know, Karkisha, I got your book and da 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 da. You know, they'll tell me how they felt about it or like, you know, the fact that they just got it or like they can't wait to get it or et cetera. And I'm just like, yeah, wow, I have a book out. That's freaky. So, like, my brain has not, I'm not going to lie, my brain has not really adjusted. I think it's going to take a minute. I was talking to my agent, Claire, and they're like, yeah, that just might be how you feel. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> um, but they're like, yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah, it's not going to, like, feel, like, real for a minute. So they're like, but it's okay. You know, you can sit you can sit in that feeling. Like, it's not necessarily a bad feeling. Just, like, your brain trying to process, like, this new um, phase in your life, right? So, because, um, yeah, writing a book is most certainly different than writing an article. You know, I could be writing an article for even if I'm writing something like researching for a couple months. Let's say it is like a reported piece. Um, 
you know, at a certain point, you know, I'm going to report the piece and then it's like done, you know, like people can come back and read it or whatever. But like, you know, with the book, there's um a longevity to a book that I think you have to be prepared for as a writer. Um, yeah, because I think it's easy for us to um, get cringy about our work, um, particularly past work that we've done. They'll be like, oh, my God, like. I don't know why I wrote this or like this is so weird now. And meanwhile, I'd be like, I wrote the best shit ever. It could be 10 years ago. And I'm like, I wrote the best shit ever because that's how I wanted to write it at the time. And that's what I was prepared to write at the time. So at the time, I thought it was fucking awesome and it's going to remain, you know, where it is. Um, but yeah, the book is definitely different, um, requires um, a different subset of skills. Um like I mentioned that feed into the longevity theme that I'm talking about. Like you really need um, some fortitude. Um, you really do. You really do. Cause like, there are going to be certain points where you don't want to fucking write the shit. You're just like, I'm tired. <laughs> looking at I really am. Um, Cause I had a couple of those days, but you know, you have to think long-term. So thinking long-term then turned into like, okay, I don't want to write this book right now, but let me do like two pages today and then be done. And the next day, let's say the next day, I feel great about the book. Then I could write, I don't know, three chapters. Like I try, I try to like, you know, I tried to allow myself the space to um, flail, flail around in the genre, roll around the genre, enjoy the genre, dislike the genre, you know. Um, so yeah, it's definitely surreal, but also again, does it feel very real? Um, I hopefully I get to a place where I'm just like, yeah, I wrote a book, and I'm just like. Yeah, it's a thing that happened. But right now, it's still kind of like, yeah, I wrote a book. Like, that's like, this, this is how I feel. I'm like, okay, I wrote a book. Like, what's what's happening Can you next? also rank quite also- high on the Amazon list and things? 69, nice. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I'm super happy about that. Um, but yeah, it's always, uh, it's always interesting, too, as a creative. Because, like, you know, we do stuff. And then our brain immediately is like, okay, what's next? So... We my know that been, feeling well. Yes, my friends been there a lot too, so I've been definitely like telling her like relax, because um, like I mentioned, the western is happening. Um, but the issue with that is that it's going to take gargantuan amount of research um, mm-hmm. because uh, people for people think you know westerns are just you know fun and gunslinging and da 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 da. And I'm like, this was after slavery. This is the recon of the, the the period that y'all like to play around in and you know toss your lassos and do your gunslinging and ride your horses. I was like, this was reconstruction. This was the period right after slavery and right before Jim Crow. It's a very important like moment in American history where people tried to do something and then it went left. You know, um, there was a period to literally reconstruct this country and it went left. So. Um, with that being in the background, I have to do so much research because I got to mm-hmm. think about how people spoke um, because how someone spoke in, I don't know, Kansas is not going to be the same way. Someone spoke in Texas, right? So I got to research that. Clothes that were worn. Um, medicine, which was not great. So things of that nature, right? So, um, yeah. So that's kind of what's happening. And um, I'm still trying to enjoy my moment right now with the book. But yeah, my brain's definitely like, on go, go, go. Let's let's (laughs) do something else. And I'm like, relax, relax. It's going to be fine. So we ride the wave of fat off, fat on. 
and do your do your promotion and and hype that up and then you slide there into the western and i am really excited to hear i i haven't heard very much coming out in the western genre in a very long time um it's not really a genre that i know very much about and i didn't know there was still people writing in in there so i'm like really kind of geeking out that i'm gonna get to read your western soon well soon hashtag whenever that is yeah (laughs) Probably give it a, probably, I would say, I'd say to be safe, probably in the next five years. Um, but, you know, maybe sooner than that. But I, I just know that this book, I'm going to take myself a break. <laughs> That's what I know for sure. How long did it take you to write Fiddle Fiddle? Um, it took about like a year and some change because mm-hmm. I got the contract um, in November of 2020. Which was a couple of days. So was it the? So I want to say the first week of November 2020, but was also like a couple of days after I uh, suffered a house fire. So that was no. fun. I had to pull oh, over shit. and sign the road and sign my book contract because I was not in a home at that point. Um, oh, no. So that was the thing. And after that, I didn't really start writing, writing until. I want to say like maybe March, April, March of 2021, because obviously you need a second to decompress from all of that. Mm-hmm. So um, then I started writing around that, and then I wrote for like a, like a year and some change, and then like then the the mass edits came, and then when that was done, then we started you know taking the pictures for the cover. Um, planning out promotion, you know, shopping around, not shopping around, but like asking around for people who are interested in new blurbs, that kind of thing. Cool. cool. Fun. Like everything that's going into the writing, it doesn't that well. Like, mm-hmm. now the writing is like, you know, the meat of it, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know the, the, your cold cuts, um, which obviously important part of the sandwich, right? That's what we're here. That's what we're here to eat the cold cuts. That said, you can't just eat the cold cuts by itself. Like where's the bread, the mayo, the Dijon mustard, maybe you like mm-hmm. some cheese, some pepper, you know, you need some, you know, yeah. <laughs> you want to make that sandwich enjoyable in all the ways. Right. Like a sexy, enjoyable sandwich that I'd be proud mm-hmm. to eat. Um, that requires a team effort. <laughs> totally. Um, before we ask you your last question, is there anything else you want to talk about today? Um, I mean, not not really. I think you you, you all cover like a lot, so <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Um, all right, so our last question then is: What advice would you give someone interested in getting involved with writing about geek culture or writing their first book? Advice I would give them. Hmm. Very excellent question. Let me think. Um, I would say whatever you think currently about writing or think you know about writing, like if you don't know shit, that's what I would say. <laughs> I would okay. say, I would be like, you know, just, just, you know, format the, the little dry hard drive of your head, erase all that shit, and then reapproach the process of writing, reapproach the process of writing a book. Um, you know, it's, it's nothing like you expect. Um, but sometimes that's a good thing, right? Because um, it presents more of like a challenge. And, you know, it's also it's good to challenge yourself. Uh, I feel like we don't, human beings are um, dynamic creatures or supposed to be dynamic. Because we, I feel like we all know people who are like just the antithesis of that. They're just like, I'm just going to 
just I'm just here, I'm not doing nothing, you know, right? But um, you know, humans um are dynamic creatures in general. And you know, in order for us to, you know, truly be dynamic, you have to be willing to challenge yourself because that's how that that's how that progress and that evolution happens. Um, so yeah, I would say that, you know, temper your expectations when it comes to writing. Um, I would also like to say that it's not as glamorous as people like to make it seem. Um, not a bad thing, but um, I say that to mean that if you want to get into writing, you do really have to love it. You do. You do. There are certain things you have to love to really be able to stick out the bullshit, right? Um, I would say that about um, teaching. Um, I would say that about anything that's like medical related. Um, there's no way that you'll have uh, any longevity in these type of like areas if you there's no love in your heart for what you are doing. Um, obviously love is not enough, right? We know that, duh. But that said, <laughs> like, if you want, if you want, if you're interested in lasting, um, there has to be that, it has to be present. Um, like it's nice to be skilled. It's nice to know how to write your ass off. That's always great. You want, you know, you want those skills, but like, if you really don't give a shit, like I would definitely say to steer clear because there is so much shit that you have to wade through as a writer, no matter where you decide to write. Even if you're writing, I don't know, a tech writer for some company, you still have to love that shit. Because as we know, as we're seeing with the rap man on Twitter, like these these companies, these bosses are insane. So like if you are interested in doing any type of writing, you really have to like fuck with it. Like you really have to like love what you're doing because sometimes mm. you're going to need that when you're operating on fumes so that's what mm -hmm. i would say it's my advice it's a lot of advice <laughs> that is great advice yeah. really really good yeah. advice mm -hmm. thank you so much mm -hmm. um thank you um for joining us today and for talking about your book and your life and your experiences um where can people find you on this wonderful internet that we love and hate Yes. Um, so mainly right now I am on Twitter while the app is still functional. Um, I'm at <laughs> I write all day underscore. <laughs> um, and then I am on Instagram um, at Clarkisha Kent. Um, and then I'm also on Hive. I'm still playing around with Hive. So I'm on Hive Social at Aww. also Clarkisha Kent. Um, Hive so true. <laughs> social, yeah. Uh, cute app. I love it. Um, and yeah, aside from that, you can also go to my website at www.clarkishakent.com. Um, so I try to, I try to, I'll say I try to, it's tough, try to update my website as often as possible with like, um, like book tour info. Cause I'm taking kind of like a very, um, how would I say, I don't want to say free fall, but a very like free approach with like the book tour because as you know, these publishers, though they make lots of money, they do not care about <laughs> the feminist press is, you know, excluded from that because they're an indie publisher and we know it's different for them. Right. But for these like big time, the Harper Collins and the random how whatever the fuck they call themselves now, they don't bought each other like six different times. So the names are always changing. But, you know, these big time publishers, um, they have the money. They don't want to cough it up. So oftentimes these tours are coming out of the author's po pocket. So, yeah, I'm doing an approach right now where I'm just seeing which one of my friends are in certain cities and we're just putting <laughs> stuff together and hoping it sticks. 
Um, so yeah, you can go to my website for that kind of information or just kind of see the work I've done. Um, see some of my litmus tests that I've put on there, including the um, Kent test and the Kelly and Cat test, which is a newer test. So yeah, that's that's where you can find me and my work. Amazing. Thank you so much. And we'll put links to all that and to your book in our show notes um, for ease for our listeners to find all your, all your places. Thank you. This is great. I love to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, our Thank pleasure. You. Thank you so much. Taking the time to doing this with us. Yeah. Um, so that's all that we have for you this week on Geek Herring. We will see you again next week. Yes, we will for another amazing episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye. If you like this episode of Geek Herring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Geek Herring and over on geekherring.com. 